Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Whatever you've got on this weekend, don't miss a moment in the world of sport. Wherever you are around the country, we've got you covered. This is SENZ. I started talking, realised the mic wasn't on, and then it's just gone three o'clock here on SENZ Sunday afternoon with uh, Ricardo uh, halftime in those two MPC games. Northland leading 19-5 over Manawatu. That just about to kick off the second half, and Wellington well in control. Uh, They are 38-7 up against counties in Pukekohe, and they uh, looks like they will nab the top spot uh, in their odds conference and uh, that will mean uh, they will probably play uh, Hawke's Bay by the looks of things so uh, yeah looking like it'll be a Wellington Hawke's Bay uh, quarter final and Bay of Plenty Waikato will play each other it's just who gets to host and we'll find that out uh, the end of this afternoon because those two meet each other in about an hour's time we'll keep you up to date with all of the uh, latest score uh, score announcements as they come through too uh, from those two Bunnings NPC games. Coming up on the show, we are going to be uh, talking NRL. Of course, it is the NRL Grand Final uh, coming up this evening. I think it's, it'll be probably, well, they say a 10 o'clock kickoff, but, you know, the NRL Aussie coverage, Fox, probably at 10 probably before the game actually does kick off. Uh, But looking forward to previewing that with Matty White um, from SEN. We'll uh, be talking the grand final with him and get his take on it. Also, Casey Frank is going to talk basketball with us because the New Zealand Breakers uh, tip off this afternoon uh, against Melbourne United and uh, that's going to be a a tough game tough ask of course no Tom Abercrombie either Uh, he can't fly for seven weeks because of the eye operation he's had which means um, he'll only be able to play the New Zealand games and you'd think if his eye if he's had that op on his eye and can't fly for seven weeks how much is he actually how fit is he going to be to be able to play if he takes a knock even if they do play at home Uh, we've had two games already this round 
Uh, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix got up over the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, who were the new team last season and surprised everybody by making it to the final. Uh, and the Sydney Kings got up uh, big time over the Illawarra Hawks, winning 106 to 97 in Wollongong as well today. We've got Melbourne United taking on the Breakers in just under an hour's time. And the Perth Wildcats tonight take on the Brisbane Bullets out west in Perth as well. And then on Monday, the Cairns Taipans are in action uh, in Tasmania. They take on the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers. So there you go. That's uh, the Australian NBL. We'll get into that with Casey Frank a little bit later on. Uh, Brett Angel's going to talk to us as well after four o'clock. Uh, we're going to talk EPL. Also going to talk uh, National League in New Zealand because the National League has kicked off. Uh, kicked off yesterday. And interesting too, Miramar Rangers, usually one of the stronger teams in the New Zealand National League and New Zealand set up. Uh, very good coaching set up. A very good pathway system as well. But Kashmir Tech absolutely did them. Uh, 4-0 they won Kashmir Tech over Miramar Rangers. Also, the Phoenix Reserves lost yesterday. They had to go to Napier to play Napier City Rovers. Napier City Rovers got a 1-0 win there. And Wellington Olympic hosted Auckland City. Uh, those two teams met each other, I think it was at the quarterfinal of the Chatham Cup, I think it was. Or was it the semi-final? It might have been the semi-final, actually. Auckland City won that. Well, they've beaten Wellington Olympic again. Uh, they won 2-1. And uh, Birkenhead United today, they had the early kickoff at 1 o'clock. And they've beaten Christchurch United by three goals to one. So those are the results so far from the National League kicking off. Uh, right now, actually, it is uh, Auckland United playing Melville out of uh, Hamilton. So th that game will keep you up to date with the uh, the score as well. So Brett Angel's going to talk to us all about that and more. But uh, before we uh, crack on and get Matt White up to talk about the grand final, let's hear from one of the coaches who is going to be coaching his team, Brad Arthur, the coach of the Parramatta Eels. This is what he had to say leading into the grand final. And how do you keep it from here? Are you this close to the grand final? Um, we're trying to be keep it as normalised as we can. Um, you know, we've still got our our final prep with our bit of video um, to touch on. You know, about us, and then go out there with our captain's run. We still want to train with the same intensity um, and do everything that we'd normally do. You know, we can't start to cut corners on our detail now. We've got to get it right, and then um, you know, have a good day off tomorrow and relax and don't think about footy, and then just turn up and. On Sunday and play the best footy you can for your 80 minutes of your lifetime. I think after the game on in Townsville, you even said yourself, like you're not totally sure because you haven't been here, but it feels and looks like you've all really enjoyed it. Yeah, we have. You know, the players, the club's done a really good job, and then the players have done a really good job by supporting. You know, all the decisions made around, you know, what has to happen around our fan day. You know, I thought the boys were excellent, giving back to the fans. They've done all their media requirements. They they haven't um, looked at it. At any other way but a positive, you know, because there's we got two choices. We could be here and experiencing it, or we could be outside looking in and wondering what it feels like. Brad, is that part of the message for the boys to completely switch off tomorrow and just take time away from food? Yeah, well, it's what we'd normally do, um, and that's why, you know, we haven't done gone into camp or done anything different. Um, get their preparation done today. There's nothing that they can do tomorrow or think about that's going to help them on Sunday. You know, it's not going to change anything. They just need to worry about it. And then when they wake up Sunday, whatever they'd normally do, do. And then when they get to the game, we'll go through the same process. And then come kick-off time, well, she's on and we wouldn't need to go after it. Does that take on extra importance in a grand final week after all the excitement that you mentioned just to kind of get forward through it? Um, yeah, well, I feel like, you know, the normal we can be, the better we're going to be. You know, like we don't need to 
the occasion is massive in itself. I don't need to add to that. And, you know, we don't need to build it up any more than it is. It's, they know what's at stake. They know how hard they've worked to get here. Um, and they know what sort of opportunity is right in front of us. Is that why Captain's run you've chosen to trade here today rather than at Homebush? Yeah, well, we've played plenty of footy at Homebush. Doing a Captain's run there I don't think is going to help us in any way. And it wouldn't hinder us either. But, um, they're, you know, this is their routine. They're comfortable here. Um, you know, they'll get massaged when they finish tonight and have a feed together and just keep it as normal as it is. Everyone wakes up in their own beds on Sunday, like no thought about going into camp for a night or anything like that? No, it's been a pretty busy week anyway, you know, so like the last thing you want to do on their, the one day that they probably get to themselves is take them away from their family and what they'd normally do. And, um, you know, we sort of hit and run mission last week where we tried to keep it as normal as we could, um, you know, and fly the day before and, and it seemed to work for us. So um, we've spent a bit of time with this group and the simpler the better for us. A couple of Penrith guys said that Penrith and the other big brother in Western Sydney and you guys are the little brother. Does that serve as any sort of motivation this week? Like I said, we've got, you know, if we need to find um, areas of motivation to go and play on Sunday, we don't deserve to be there. So um, we've earned the right to be there. We've got plenty of motivation. And, you know, 36 year drought, um, playing for our fans and members, families, sponsors, everyone, but we just need to go and play for ourselves. You know, they need to be selfish and they need to go after the game and they need to go and do it for themselves and then everyone else is happy after that. Mitchell Moses, like, can you talk to us about the development he's had since he's been at the club? Like, for a long time, anyone that wore the number seven at Parramatta, there seemed to be more pressure on them, but did that ever hinder him at all? No, I think he's really matured in it. A lot of the, a lot of this just takes time, you know. It's not something that I've done or the club's done specifically or special for him. It just takes time, you know. He's coming into the prime time of his development or his career. Um, he's always been a, a very good competitor, um, you know. He's he's learnt on how he gets his messaging across to his teammates better. So he's done. He has done that really well, and you know he's playing nice and tough at the moment. You know, some of the things he's gone through this year that you guys wouldn't know about and. The injuries he's played through, he's played very tough and put his body in the line for his teammates. Bailey Simonson, Brad, how much confidence do you have in him to do that role at centre? Same level of confidence I had putting him in there last week. Um, you know, he got a couple of opportunities in Cup leading into it and, um, you know, done a fair bit as a kid in that position and was very keen to have an opportunity there, even like moving into next year. And it was just by opportunity or chance that, you know, we had that unfortunate injury to Tom which presented an opportunity for him and I thought he, he took it really well and um, went after it and got a few things wrong but he you know easily adjusted this week but he, he's really looking forward to it and I, and I think he'll do a really good job for us. What kind of player has he been around the club this year? Obviously he's, he's earned that trust from you to be good. Yeah you know what it takes a bit of time coming from a new club, new systems and um, so it took a bit of adjusting for him but what I really liked about Bailey was going into the Canberra game. He wasn't in the eight, you know, the 17 players, and his contribution to video and helping with it, us with our preparation on every detail that he knew about them, you know, was pretty credible from a bloke that you know was probably hoping to be in the team and he wasn't. So he didn't kick stones, and hence, you know, and then the next week he gets an opportunity. Um, you know, when he helped us get through that Canberra game to to allow him get his opportunity now to be playing Grand Final day. So. You know, it's a good lesson for all young players or all players. You know, not everything's going to go their way, but if they they just stick at it, things will change for them.
Brad, just during the year there was a bit made about your future as coach and how far you could take this team, and now you guys are just one win away. What would it mean for you as a coach to break the longest drought and then sort of prove, I suppose, all those doubters wrong? Oh, it's not about proving anyone wrong or doubters wrong. We've always had confidence in what we're doing here at the club, but, but you know, there's... Outside of us, there's 15 other teams all striving for the same thing. You know, it's it's not as easy as everyone thinks. Just winning week in, week out, and getting yourself to a grand final. Um, it'll be it'll be unreal um, feeling for me and my family. But it's more about the team and the club. Um, and you know, if we can go out there and have a real good crack at it, and we go to the game, not trying to lose. You know, worrying about losing or the result. We want to go there, worrying about going after it, and, and making sure we play for a full 80 minutes. Do you feel that pressure with that drought at all? No, no. Um, look, like I said, it's, it is 36 years, but the, the pressure is always going to be there regardless, um, week in, week out in footy, and we've learned to just roll with it. Um, but the best way for us to handle the pressure is is what we do on the field for that 80 minutes. Brad, this one on ice in his matchup with Billy Kikau, like how important is that, that matchup? And Ice can get on top of that. What will that do for the side? Oh, there's key matchups everywhere in there, and that's another one which is you know real physical. Both of them like to play physical, um, power-based game, and you know like you look at Kikau, the development in his game, just with his you know his aggression and his work rate in defence, he's become a very good defensive player. Um, you know, and he's because his natural ability was what we, he did with the footy. Um, but Ice is a well-rounded play. Ice comes up with a lot of effort areas. That, not a lot of people would see. He's very good for Mitchell um, defensively and systematically, you know, he gets it right majority of the time for us. Last week he said going up against Jason Tamalolo, he was taking that matchup personally. Do you want that same level of intent from him? Yeah, definitely. You know, it's good that they, they take it personal because it's, it's now or never, isn't it? Like, you know, we've got to take it personal because um, after that 80 minutes, we don't get a, a redo or another, another opportunity at it. We've got the opportunity. We've, we've got to make the most of it. Brad, how are you this week? Grand final week. Yeah, I'm excited. I, look, I'm I'm so proud of the boys. I'm so happy for the club. Um, it's been a, a busy week, so I haven't had real you know time to sit back and and relax and reflect on it. But you know, tomorrow I'll just do nothing. You know, which will be good. And you know, I can't wait to get there Sunday. Um, can't wait to see plenty of blue and gold in the in the stands. And you know, I can't wait to. You know, there will be a lot of people that can't get to the game that will be having barbecues and grand final day, and I'm sure there's plenty of people that are really supportive and can't wait for us to be in there. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Brad Arthur there talking about the grand final kicks off tonight, of course, uh, in Sydney between the Penrith Panthers and the Parramatta Eels. It is 13 away, uh, 13 past three, I should say. Updating the scores, uh, Northland have scored again. They are up 26-5 now over Manawatu. And uh, counties have had a man in the bin. Wellington have scored off the back of that 43-14 to that they lead now. Uh, well and truly in control. When we come back, Matt White joins us. We're talking NRL grand final. This is SENZ Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball, 19 past three. And joining us out of Oz uh, from SEN is Matty White. G'day, Matt. How are you doing? G'day, Ricardo. Good. Great to speak to you. Yeah, good to have you on, mate. Thanks for giving us some time and looking forward to the grand final uh, to later on tonight. Uh, I just hope Phil Gould's uh, speech at the start doesn't go too long. We can actually kick off at 10 o'clock New Zealand time. <laughs> Yeah, it's always the great unknown, isn't it? I mean, it just it creeps later and later and later for us, and obviously uh, that has a massive impact for you guys as well. But um, the, my main concern at the moment is is the weather. I'm literally um, just pulling up to a core stadium out here at Homebush in Western Sydney 
Uh, right now, and there's some fairly heavy clouds around. So the weather in Sydney over the last couple of days has been, it just bashes down for half an hour or so and then stops, and it looks as though it may continue to do that. So at the moment, it's sunshine on my back, or on the back of the car anyway, and uh, some pretty heavy clouds ahead. So I think that could be... Um, one of the major concerns heading into tonight. If, if we've got a wet grand final, who do you think that favours? Well, it's a good question. I mean, it, it'll be slippery anyway because, you know, night time here, it's very dewy on the ground out at Homebush. I mean, they've, they've got this place in tip-top shape. There'll be three games played this afternoon and this evening. They're just about to get the first one underway, um, New South Wales versus Queensland Cup, and then the NRLW grand final. So... The, the stadium surface will be fine because it'll hold up to it, but it'll be slippery anyway just by virtue of having a night grand final. So um, both of the teams are, are very, very well and truly versed in playing you know, under these conditions. So it, it's probably even Stevens. I mean, if it does start to belt down throughout the game, then, then you start to think, well, there'll be a lot of focus on, on the aerial assault, especially from Nathan Cleary, um, and that just gets even worse when it's pouring and windy and all that kind of stuff. But the forecast isn't for any major storms. The, the forecast is just for a bit of heavy cloud and possible showers. So hopefully that's the way it pans out, and that shouldn't have too much effect. I mean, it, it, like I say, it's pretty 50-50 when it comes to a slippery surface because they're all used to it. How many bombs has Wonga Blake uh, uh, diffused at training this week, do you think? Well, you know what? None. He, he actually, which is, which is, I don't know which way to take this, and I, I'd like your opinion on it as well, but he was quoted in, in the press this week saying, look, you know, I, I haven't done any extra training for any of Nathan Cleary's float of bombs this week. I, I've got it. I didn't have a good week the other week, so I haven't done anything extra, which to me says he's, he's not worried about it or he's trying to avoid the inevitable. Um, or he's telling Porky, Porky's and saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing any extra work. But, gee, I don't know. If I was Wonga Blake, I'd be spending every single spare minute um, getting Mitchell Moses or whoever he can to kick, um, you know, the life out of the football until it's dark, dark, dark at night and just practice because it'll come at him. There's no question about it tonight. I mean, you know, as much as it's spectacular and we've had a bit of a laugh about... Uh, what Wonga Blake is facing. I mean, it is a critical part of what could play out tonight. And if he gets one and he misses it, or he gets one and he's a little bit shaky, then Cleary will go back to the well time and time and time again. Um, So I I found it a bit bizarre that Wonga Blake said that, and I don't know how much truth there is to it, but we'll find out tonight because he'll get some. Yeah, he will get some. I, I did wonder whether or not... You know, there might be a bit of a tweak from Brad Arthur. I mean, Bailey Simonson's uh, pretty handy under the high ball, whether or not, you know, without the ball, uh, Simonson, you know, sort of lines up on the wing and Wonga Blake comes in one. Yeah, it's not a bad way of thinking. Um, I mean, I I don't know if anyone could have caught what Cleary was throwing up the other week. So (laughs) I don't know if it's... It's funny, mate, because I've been speaking to, you know, past players and present players in particular. We had our awards night awards breakfast the other last week and Nico Hines um, obviously Dally M winner also got our player of the year award I spoke to him about it I spoke to Jackson Hastings from the West Tigers who was there as well and both of them said oh look because I said you know how do you 
what do you do under these bombs in particular, especially when Cleary's on his game? And they both went, oh, I'd just look at the bloke inside of me and say yours. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any real sort of... Um, you know, a desire from Bailey Simonson, even if Brad Arthur says, uh, mate, I'm just going to push you out a little bit wider. I'm sure he'd still look and say to Wonga, it's yours, mate. It's coming your way. I don't, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> oh, that is outstanding. That is outstanding. Uh, here's another question for you, man. I, and, I, and I looked at this, scratched my head a wee bit. I, I saw the Dally M Awards come out and I saw the Dally M Team of the Year and I looked at the nominees for the Coach of the Year not one bloke with the Eels next to his name was in either. Um, Brad Arthur wasn't nominated. There was no Eels in the team of the year. How have they got to the grand final? By scratching and fighting their way through. I mean, they're like a dog on lino. That's what they've been this year. They've really sort of, you know, when, you, when your pet dog comes screaming into the kitchen at 100 miles an hour and wants to turn left but goes straight ahead into the wall, that's kind of what their year's been. They've been scratching and fighting their way to, to make sure that they could be here. They never got a run on. They never really got, you know, any great momentum going. They knocked over the Panthers twice out of three times along the way. Um, but it's really been a fight for them to get here. And if you think back to 2009, when they came in off the back of Jared Haynes' extraordinary back end of the season in the finals run, they came into that grand final on a rocket ship with the great momentum, the great confidence, and Hayne was virtually untouchable. They come into this one like a prized fighter that's been bashed down so many times and dragged themselves off the ropes. And that goes both throughout the season in terms of games, but also what they've had to deal with off the field. Um, you know, they're always under the microscope. Mitchell Moses is much maligned. Brad Arthur's always copping at left, right and centre. You know, players are being discussed at length. When it comes to Parramatta, there's always some sort of drama going on at the club. So they have literally fought their way into this grand final. And I think, especially when you go back to 2009, I think this is a better, this is a better path. It's not a cleaner or a prettier path that they've got into this GF, but it's probably better for them because they've had to cop the bruises and the wax along the way. And now they're sort of battle-ready, not battle-weary, and they're also not under any false pretenses. So it's a good question. How on earth did they get there? Well, they made sure that they were there at the end. And funnily enough, in a nutshell, that's what they're going to have to do tonight. If they're not there in the 75th minute, if they haven't managed to hold down Penrith by then, then they're not going to be in the game. So a lot of what they've done this season is exactly what they're going to have to do this evening. It's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. And I'm also interested to uh, talk about the lineups as well. We'll do that in a second, Matty. But, uh, you know, one thing we have seen in the clashes between these two this season, and from Penrith, I think, in general, is that they, as dominant as they've been, they've actually been slow starters in a lot of their games, right? So, I mean, yeah. you know, for Parra, it's, it's coming out firing and trying to trying to get a lead uh, and, then, and then being able to look after that lead. 100%. And, and I... You know, we've been thinking about first try scorers and Clive Churchill's. Look, I think Penrith win the game, but I think Parramatta will get across the line first. And I've, I've, I, I tossed up between Will Penasini and Reed Marnie to get across the line. I'm a hopeless tipper, mate, so don't follow me. But I do think that Par Parramatta will come out fast because you're right. You know, one of the things, if there is a bit of a chink in the armour in Penrith, is that they can... It's not complacency in the start, but they, they don't look to come out of the blocks 
at a million miles an hour. They're just not that team. I don't know whether that's by design or fault, but that's the way that they've been, and especially this year as well. So there have been times there where those first 40 minutes, you're thinking, okay, if I can get on top of Penrith here, then I'm still in the game because they've got the ability to go nuts when they need to. They've got the ability to put the foot down at any time, but they've been holding off until the back 20 minutes, the last 20 minutes of each match. And I, I reckon that's what they'll do here this evening. I mean, I can't see Parramatta being overawed by the occasion. I can't see them crumbling early on. Um, and I can see them coming out firing and possibly getting the first try. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Para have a slender lead at half time. But I also wouldn't be surprised if at the back end of the, the game, that's where Penrith start to turn the screws. And, and that's going to be that's going to be the kicker. I mean, I, you know, we don't know what Brad Arthur's game plan is, but you've got to think that he's saying to players, this is more than an 80-minute match because Penrith, the longer the game goes, the better it is for them. They play all night, these guys, and they'll get better as the game goes on. So that that's going to be one of their critical points for both teams. Does Para can can Penrith or can does Penrith let Para get away with it early and get too big a lead? Or do they stick to their game plan and, and Para make sure that they're there at the back end? I reckon that's gonna be you know, the critical questions. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. What about, I mean, what we've seen on, you know, I'm looking at the uh, the lineups as they've been released by the clubs, and Appy Corusau is lining up at nine, apparently, for the Panthers, although we have seen him come off the bench and Mitch Kenny start. Um, yeah. Another thing that they did when they were behind against Souths is they took Moses Leota off and they ran two rakes. You know, they had Mitch Kenny and, um, and Appy Corusau there at the same time to try and speed the ball up. I don't know if they can get away with that, with the size of the forward pack power have got, particularly through the middle. Yeah, true. And and the luxury that Ivan Cleary's got there is that you know Mitch Kenny stays on, so it's not a it's not a take one off and put one on scenario for for the hooker role there. He can bring Appy Corusau. Traditionally, Appy Corusau's played sixty out of the eighty minutes, so sort of the nineteen twenty minute mark is when he is injected. But then for Ivan to be able to leave. Um, Mitch Kenny on and just continue that mountain of work and close up the middle, that's where the that's where the real secret to their success is they open up the middle by bringing Coruscant on because he's so fresh and he's so zippy and he's always looking for a hole here or there and backing himself yet you keep Kenny on and he closes a lot of that middle with the amount of work that he does and around the ruck as well so I, I know that he's named Coruscant on the number 9 Again, and Kenny at 14, but I'd, I'd totally expect Kenny to start the match and Happy Coruscant to come off the bench. Uh, and again, that points to that back end of the game. I mean, you know, if Happy if Coruscant's exhausted at the 80th minute, it doesn't do anyone any favours. For Penrith, if he's, if he's still got that zip in his legs and all that kind of stuff because he's only into his 60th minute of the game, then that serves the purpose. So I can't see Cleary going too far away from that tonight. And uh, what did you make of Nathan Brown? Uh, been brought back from the wilderness for Parra to sit on the bench. Well, you make big calls in big games, don't you? And mm. Brad Arthur's done that. And so many times throughout the history of you know sport, and especially this game, those moves can go one of two ways. <laughs> you're a genius or you're a flop. And Brad Arthur will be hoping it's the, the previous, you know, not the latter. So, look, he's made the call. Um, the, the talk was that Nathan Brown had fallen out with Brad Arthur. 
he had a broken thumb. He hasn't played for three months, and he played um, a bit of New South Wales Cup. In fact, his last game in New South Wales Cup was a one-point win, I think, against Penrith. So Nathan Brown's been there and ready to go. The, the, the real question was around Jake Arthur. I mean, a lot of my listeners, Ricardo, throughout the week will text in and say, what on earth is Jake Arthur doing there? You know, Bryce Cartwright needs to be in there on the bench. And at the moment, Bryce Cartwright is uh, the number 18. So we don't know what Brad Arthur's going to do in the next, uh, what, five hours because um, he's got up until 6.30 to, to make any changes. So I think the call on Nathan Brown is, is, is one that Brad Arthur's been pondering for a while. And he thinks that this is a, a, a game that will need somebody like him off the bench, and that's what he wants to do. So, again, the proof will be in the pudding there, but it'll, that, that's, that decision, whether it's right or wrong, will firmly sit not on Nathan Brown's shoulders, but Brad Arthur's shoulders. So if it works, tick to him and credit to him. If it doesn't work, then Brad Arthur has to cop that as well. So um, it's one of the fascinating parts. When I saw that, I thought, that only happens in grand final week, doesn't it? Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. It doesn't happen in a regular week in, week out, home and away match. So it's going to be a big one. He'll, he'll be ready to go, no question about it. Yeah, right, he will be. And uh, looking forward to the game. Uh, what about Isaiah Papali'i? Uh, do we know if he's going to be wearing a Tigers jersey next year? Is He He, he still he still won't confirm that, will he? He's waiting for the uh, NRL to confirm what the salary cap is next season and he might stay in Eel. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the talk. Brad Arthur this week had said... Um, he put it to bed. He said, look, Isaiah's leaving us. He's going to play at the West Tigers as much as he'd like to stay. He's made his decision, and he's too proud a man to go back on his decision. So in terms of what the club's saying and what his head coach is saying, is going to be at the Tigers next year. Um, is still being a little bit sort of coy around it, but, yeah. oh, mate, I, I can't see that backflip happening. I mean, I don't know what he's waiting for with the salary cap. It's going to go up. It's not going to go down. So he's already done his deal. He knows what's going to happen out there. Um, you know, I, I'm okay with, with players and such getting cold feet because it's just human nature. But I think the deal's done. It's locked in, and that's where he's going to go. And let's not forget, to the other side of this because the Tigers have put up a hell of a kick up a hell of a stink if all of a sudden he reneged on the deal. So I, I'd be saying that this is Isaiah Papali's last match there, and he moves on to become a Tiger next year. Yeah, interesting. Interesting to see how that's all going to play out. Good stuff, Matt. Uh, before we let you go, uh, have you got a prediction for us? Look, I think Penrith by 12 or 14. I think at the back end of the game, they'll just be too strong. So I'll, I'll lean towards 14 points. I reckon um, I, I like Dylan Edwards as a Clive Churchill medalist. Mm. Uh, he's just such an incredible part and, and in, um, a crucial part of that Penrith lineup. And he'll be involved tonight you know, pretty much every play, every attacking play, he'll be there and he'll be there if they need him in defence. So um, your obvious choice is, you know, Cleary or Moses, but I like the look of Dylan Edwards and I'm going to stick with my man Reed Marnie to cross first. And if Will Penasini does, I'll be massively disappointed because I scratched out his name about three times when I was <laughs> tossing up my <laughs> options for first for first try scorers. Oh. So Penrith to win, um, they'll go back to back and, and Parramatta, I think, um, I don't think Parramatta are going to blow it, mate. That's that's the I think that's the key for me. They're not going to botch this one. 
I just think that they'll be beaten by the better team on the night, and Penrith have been the best team all season. Now, as a Parramatta fan, I've got to say, I hope you were, uh, what you said earlier about being a rubbish <laughs> tipster is true, and uh, and, 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 and and we get and we do get, um, to be honest, mate, if anybody backflips, I hope it's Reed Marnie. I can't believe we're letting them go to the dogs, to be fair, but there you go. Yeah. So yeah. that's a whole yeah. other story. I don't know who's running recruitment and retention at the club, but they need a bullet. Uh, but anyway, Matt, thank you very much for your time. Go well and uh, have a great call tonight, eh? Good on you, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Matt White there from SEN. Uh, uh, he hosts out of Sydney for us and calls games on the NRL as well. 25 away from four here on SENZ. When we come back, we're talking basketball with Casey Frank. 20 away from 4 o'clock here on SENZ Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Wellington, Lead County's 50 to 26 in what has uh, become a try fest. And uh, not much different actually up north with Northland 38 19 up against Manawatu. Around four minutes left in that one, about uh, 10 minutes left in the county's Wellington game. Uh, time to talk basketball now though with Casey Frank, former breaker, former tall black. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm doing well, mate. Thanks for having me. Hey, any time, man, any time. Uh, the season gets underway in the uh, Aussie NBL this afternoon for the Breakers. They play Melbourne United. It's it's a pretty tough assignment first up, mate. Uh, but what have you made of the Breakers squad this season around compared to what we saw last season? I've been really impressed by the rededication to the defensive side of the basketball. Uh, it really looks like the franchise is trying to recommit in that area and look for a couple of surprising offensive performances to carry them on that side of the ball. But you can tell that the foundation is going to be a toughness, a queeiness uh, on that defensive side of things, and they're going to really try and bring back uh, what was the, the foundation for some of those championship years. Uh, I've been impressed by that. I've been impressed by, by the way the team has really uh, acclimated to the head coaching ability of Coach Modi Moore. Uh, didn't get the, the wins as, as many as they'd like in the preseason, but certainly saw some things going in the right direction. Uh, of course, that doesn't count uh, Thomas Abercrombie's eye. Yeah, well, that's that's right. I mean, you know, Thomas Abercrombie, for, he can't fly for seven weeks, which makes me wonder if he can even play at home in that time, given, you know, if, if, if that's an issue. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, it's a, a really strange injury. Uh, he wasn't sure about the damage until they got on. It seems that it's a little bit more extensive. There has been uh, some rumors circulating that it's possible that if the vision comes back before that seven-week time, he'll be able to play in some of those home games. But obviously when you're, you're playing around with the eye, you, you can't be too careful. Uh, so they're going to take every precaution and make sure that his long-term vision isn't affected. And uh, unfortunately that does mean that basketball is going to have to take a back seat for the time being. Yeah, I mean, what what's uh, what does that mean for the Breakers? I mean, we talked about the squad and the balance of the squad. Uh, have they got enough there to, to, to cover themselves uh, at a decent level with Tom out? Uh, I mean, that that is the question. I think uh, the shape that I, I saw Tommy coming back into the season just – uh, after having a, a bit of trouble with, with staying healthy the last couple of years, he, he looked like he, he was going to be really rededicated to the game. Defensively, in the preseason games that I saw before he was injured, he looked fantastic and really looked like uh, he was going to be uh, w- w- one of those uh, pieces on that defensive side that added to that knockdown defense. Now, uh, I think offensively, they're going to be able to make up for him. Uh, and Rayon Rupert, he, he looks fantastic. I think he's even better than advertised. You know, you hear about him going in the late first round. Well, I'd be very surprised if by, by the things are all said and done, he's not a top 12 pick. But I think he can certainly fit in on that defensive side of things. Uh, and offensively, it's going to have to be a collective effort to try uh, and pick up that. But, you know, most importantly for Tommy, it's the leadership. Uh, this is a guy who's been around the team for so long. 
uh, a foundation piece for all the fan- franchise championships. So to not have him here with a relatively young team uh, is maybe trying to rediscover that kiwiness as we've heard the, the Breakers say so much this season uh, coming into it that, that that not having him there for that is probably going to be the biggest uh, hurdle for them to overcome. Yeah, I know that you are um, a, a basketball man through and through, Casey. So, you know, when you're close to a sport, you may not notice it. But as someone who's a, a, a fan of a lot of different sports and maybe I don't, I don't follow it as closely as you do, it has felt to me like the breakers and the NBL, Australian NBL in general, has flown under the radar a bit for some. Uh, you know, I talked to a couple of uh, other sports journalists this week who had to double check that the uh, that uh, you know which weekend that it started. They thought it was next weekend. I mean, has it felt that way to you? Uh, I mean, it is a little bit of that. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a difficult task for the Australian NBL to get back to front of mind uh, for sports lovers here in New Zealand. You know, essentially two years away uh, due to COVID, obviously, playing all those games away. While, while people were still paying attention to what's happening, you don't have that same connection when you're, fit, when you're not playing in front of your fans. Uh, you, you don't get that same connection with the kids, with the fan base, with wanting to perform for the people who are buying your jerseys and supporting you week by week. So it's, it, uh, I think there is some room to make up for that. And uh, I think in a lot of ways, the return to New Zealand for a lot of Kiwis is the start of the season for them, for, for them coming back next Friday night having their home opener for the first time in a couple of years. Uh, just, you know, I think it's just seven out of the last 68 games, something like that, have been played on New Zealand soil. And those were uh, when the season was already well done by then. So uh, I think uh, that date has been circled by a lot of uh, Kiwis. Uh, as that's when the breakers are really back. They're going to be back in New Zealand, playing in New Zealand, uh, and the, the, trying to play as well as they can in that Australian competition. Now, we've had two games yesterday. Uh, South East Melbourne Phoenix got up over the Tasmania Jack Jumpers. 84-79, and the Sydney Kings got up over the Hawks in Wollongong, 106-97. Uh, based on the squad that you've seen that the Breakers have put together uh, for this season and, and what you've seen, the moves that the other other clubs have made, where do you think the Breakers sit in terms of favouritism coming into this season? It, it, it is difficult to say coming in because I, I think every squad across the NBL has improved. Uh, if, if that's through uh, upping their local players or upping their imports, or a combination of the two, I do think that as a whole, the tide has lifted across the league. Uh, depending on how results go, I do think they're, every single team in this competition is going to be able to challenge for a finals berth. The question is, who's going to really rise to the cream of the crop? Uh, Sydney, I, I feel like they're going to be a title favorite again. They were up really close in the, a close game against Wollongong going down the stretch uh, yesterday. Sorry, Illawarra. Was Wollongong when I played there, but uh, really close going down the stretch uh, stretch against those guys. Uh, and this is a team that the Breakers, you know, at one point were up 50 points in a preseason game but behind closed doors. So that that shows you how close I think it is between every team, and that on any given night one team's going to be able to get it done. From my viewpoint, the Breakers are are, are in that mix of teams that that are going to be fighting for a finals position. It, it does a lot of it have to do uh, on health, and while I do believe they're going to be a really good defensive team there are some questions about who's going to provide that offense. And so if we can find a, 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 probably a, a bit more of a, a hot streak from Barry Brown Jr. than he might be expected to carry coming in, that could go a long ways towards getting the breakers where they want to go offensively. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how they go. Uh, first up against Melbourne United. Melbourne United are $1.32 favourites. The Breakers, three twenty, dollars uh, And you can get the Breakers at $1.92 plus 6.5 points. Casey, what are you looking at? Uh, you know, I think this is a Melbourne team that showed that it was uh, re-energized when they came back to the Blitz. 
Uh, unfortunately for them, Ariel Hook Forty went down with an Achilles injury. Uh, he was one of the, the ten guys that was playing a lot of minutes. The depth has been sorely affected. They're going to have to play Isaac Humphries a bit more. It would not shock me if the Breakers came out with just a, a, a just a dog eat dog defensive mindset on the game today. Uh, played really good, strong defense against a, a team that they're very uh, well well known with, and they know very well. Uh, so, so for, for me, I might take a punt on that dub. I, I think the Breakers have been shopping at the bit to get a big get going. The uh, United are dealing with a few issues inside the club themselves right now with injuries, try, trying to figure some things out. And uh, if you're going to roll the dice, why not in game one? Well, why not? Why not in game one indeed? Hey, uh, the other piece of news that we saw today is that um, from a basketball point of view, Casey, is the uh, Stephen Adams has signed on a new two-year $25.2 million contract extension um, with the Grizzlies. Uh, what do you make of that as a move for him and for them? You know, from my point of view, I think he's probably taking a little bit of a discount on what he could get on the open market with the salary cap going up over the next few years with the new TV deals coming in. But this is a place where I think he feels really comfortable. He's a veteran presence for this team. And what it does show me is how much that the Grizzlies value what he brings. You know, statistically, he's not the best center in the league. But if you look at his effect on his teammates and what they can do offensively when he's out there, I think two-point field goals I saw stat today that – Desmond Bain and John Morant are 4% better when Steven Adams is on the court. And from three, I think it's 8% for Bain and 11% better for John Morant when Steven Adams is on that court. And that ability that he has to sacrifice his own statistical uh, importance for, for the betterment of the team, for the betterment of, uh, of his teammates and their careers, and for, most importantly, wins, uh, I think is, that's why he is the player he is. That's why he's made the money he's made. And, and that's why the Memphis Grizzlies are valuing to this point. You know, this is a team that's got title aspirations and by giving him this deal they're saying that you're one of the pieces that we hope will get us get us, get us there yeah yeah i don't know how he's going to do it how's he going to survive on 25 and a half million a year casey <laughs> well it goes even further in memphis i mean uh, he could survive quite nicely you know he, he's been for, very fortunate in his career but I think the great thing about Steve is that he's brought, brought a, a, a lot of people along for the ride and doing a lot of good uh, charity work, uh, growing the game of basketball here in New Zealand, even while he's playing the trade over in the States. Yeah, no, he's done some great work. I look forward to the NBA season. Tip it off in about two and a half weeks, man. It's not too far away. It's all coming together, Ricardo. I can't wait. The balls are bouncing, and I can't wait till the, they're all coming in synchronicity, get to see some shots going in. This is the time of year that gets me flowing. Ah, good to hear, man. Good to hear Casey Frank up and uh, excited about some ball coming our way. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Go well. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and uh, hope you, hopefully uh, your, your, your breakers bet comes in uh, in about 10 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. And uh, Unfortunately, I'm not going to be financially responsible for any advice I give out on the program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe get out there and just work on your free throw shooting at halftime, maybe. You know, just oh, make... Let it die. Let it die, Ricardo. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't. Ben wouldn't let me. I'm blaming Ben. Uh, Casey, go well, brother. Go well. Enjoy the, enjoy the afternoon. Appreciate it, boys. Yeah, go well. Uh, Casey, Frank, they're talking uh, basketball. The Breakers tipping off against Melbourne United in 10 minutes or so. It is nine away from four. Yeah, five away from four here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you through till five. Uh, the final score in both those matches from the Bunnings NPC. Man, talk about Trifest. Uh, Wellington have beaten Counties 64-31. 
95 points in that game. Uh, and Northland, the Tanifar, have beaten the Turbos 41-24. Means that Northland uh, get to play Canterbury in the quarterfinals and uh, Tasman haven't made uh, postseason. So uh, that is how things look uh, next weekend. I believe Friday night is going to be the Battle of the Bridge, Auckland versus Harbour. Uh, then we have Canterbury versus Northland and Wellington versus Hawke's Bay. Uh, and then it's going to be Bay of Plenty versus Waikato in the other quarterfinal. It's just a matter of where that is going to be played. So we'll have to try and figure that one out. Coming up in the next hour, uh, we are going to talk some football. Brett Angel is going to join us. We'll talk Premier League with him. We'll also talk the new National League season and we'll talk a little bit of NRL Grand Final with your calls and cricket as well. All that and more to come after four. This is SENZ Sunday afternoon with Ricardo Ball through till five o'clock this afternoon and uh, we'll uh, have time for your calls and texts on double eight double three or 0800 150 a little bit later on. We'll also uh, hear uh, we'll do a little bit of cricket chat as well uh, coming up and uh, we are going to talk football now and uh, former evidence striker and Hawks Bay United coach uh, Brett Angel joins us. G'day Brett, how are you doing? Good afternoon Ricardo, how are you? Yeah, good thanks mate, good uh, and good to have uh, the Premier League back in, in full flow, uh, a whole bunch of fixtures uh, this morning starting with that North London derby and Arsenal getting up 3-1 over Spurs. To be honest, it was a I thought it was a tough one to pick. It was one of those that I kind of sat on the fence and thought it would probably end up a draw. Yeah, it's, um, as I said, it, it, for some reason it never ends in a draw. I think you know, the, that, that uh, North London derby, generally the home team has been uh, dominant and I think that's how it sort of panned in today, really. Um, obviously, Arsenal... Running out uh, quite easy winners, as you say. I thought I thought it would be a little bit tighter and closer, but um, no. At, at the moment, uh, Arsenal seem to be very much in the ascendancy and uh, moving in the right direction. Yeah, they are. I mean, a lot of people had said that, you know, that they had had a, a reasonably easy run and they hadn't played anybody tough. And they said that before the United game, and they lost to United, and that kind of I think put doubt in a few people's mind about just how good. Arsenal were, but given how Tottenham have been, uh, Tottenham have been travelling. This is an impressive win, isn't it? Well, it certainly puts out a statement. I think uh, obviously it's a local derby, so we could probably say that um, you know form goes out the window. But at the end of the day, Tottenham appear to be uh, one of the top four teams, or certainly very much in that mix. And uh, uh, as I say, Arsenal have certainly had that. Uh, strong start and at the end of the day you pick up three points for beating anybody you don't get extra points because it's supposedly a stronger team so and in possible and, and, and in previous years that's probably where Arsenal sort of come unstuck is against the teams that they're expected to win uh, or, or beat and haven't done so and picked up those points but certainly uh, from the start of this season they seem to be in the groove and uh, have picked up and built that momentum and now they've taken it on against uh, their so-called Rivals. Yeah, big one uh, for them. What about Tottenham? Uh, I mean, it feels like that they've strengthened everywhere. Really, they they certainly seem to have a, a bit of a thicker skin this season as well uh, than than they've had in the past. I uh, thought the you know the addition of someone like Richarlison, who's a real uh, winner and, and and not afraid to get involved with the dirty stuff up front, gives them another option up front. Uh, I think Perisic is a good signing. Uh, they've done some good business. What, can you take anything out of this game if you're Spurs? 
I think it's one of those where it's a disappointment because it's a local derby, but uh, possibly they've sort of not really hit their straps where you'd sort of say, I think people were sort of saying, look, they've, they've done the job, but maybe not really hit the heights that uh, where they've looked really, really strong. But uh, I think that's probably, again, synonymous with a Conte-type team. You know, uh, when... They don't always play well to get the result, but they find a way of uh, of getting a result. And unfortunately, in this one against their fiercest rivals, it, w- it wasn't to be. But I do think that they have made that sort of good strides and are definitely now going to be in and around that sort of top four mix. Uh, you know, and if you look at where Liverpool are at the moment, you're sort of saying, well, now maybe it's a top two position that uh, they can really push for. Yeah, now well, that's the thing. Let's talk about Liverpool. Uh, three all they drew with Brighton at Anfield. It's not often you see uh, Liverpool at Anfield concede three goals, but Leandro Trossard, the Belgian international, had a field day at Anfield uh, this morning, didn't he? Uh, getting they they had a two 0 lead in this Brighton as well. Liverpool, it's it's not all quite right there at the moment, is it? No, there's something definitely not quite as smooth as what they were experiencing, certainly towards the second half of the last season uh, they continually keep conceding goals which is obviously not from a coach's point of view ideal uh, they invariably have managed their way to, to, to get back into the games and in certain instances have managed to pick up three points but in others have not really quite got there at the end of it but I think it is a little bit of a concern because it's gone on a little bit longer. It's not just one game. It's we're now seven, eight games into the season plus European games that they're playing. And and, and it seems as though it's quite consistent at the moment. They, they don't start very well. They sort of concede goals when they're not starting very well. And then it takes a little while and they chase the game. And when you're always chasing the game, you're always likely to be that little bit more open because obviously you're trying to score down one end and then you sort of forget about the other end, which was always previously fairly solid. They were always defensively quite strong. Uh, whereas at the moment, yeah, it just doesn't seem to be quite right somewhere along the line. Uh, the other thing is they're not actually scoring a lot of goals, are they? Because, I'm, uh, I mean, if you take that Bournemouth result out, of nine nil, um, they've actually only scored nine goals from from six games so far, which is un, very un Liverpool like. Well, again, there's there's been changes. Those changes have taken a little bit longer to gel, and maybe that sort of made the the whole team start to struggle a little bit at the moment. You know, you, Mane had always been a very good, very very good goal scorer as well as a team player that provided assists and what have you and taking him out and trying to replace him. You've had a few injuries along the way. You've got new players coming in. Yeah, so it it is very much one of those sort of, not so much starting again, but they did have a very, very consistent group generally when they started with, and that has no longer been the case. Obviously, Mane was one of those, but they seem to be uh, struggling a little bit to get what they would consider to be their strongest eleven on the pitch at the moment. Mm, yeah, I think they're missing something in midfield as well. They probably somewhere they should have 
gone and done business. It's interesting, uh, you know, we talk about there's something something going on behind the scenes. I think Nabby Cater is part of that. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Brett. He's not injured as far as I'm aware, but he has not been included in their Champions League squad, and he's only got a year left on his on his deal. Um, it seems like there's maybe been a bit of a falling out between him and Klopp. Yeah, reading between the lines, if he, he's not being included in the you know the, the squad for Champions League, then realistically there is no future for him at Liverpool again. You know uh, that that will be it. Whether that was because he wouldn't sign a contract, this is the problem now from a business point of view. If you're allowing players that are worth millions of pounds on the transfer market to go free, uh, then it's very very difficult to actually deal with with that from a business point of view as well and so therefore then at the moment it looks or appears as though he's going to run his contract down and obviously they've decided that whatever they do he doesn't want to be part of Liverpool moving forward and obviously from from that point of view it, it seems as though I would imagine that in January he will be gone. Mm, yeah certainly looks that way mate. Uh, let's talk about Chelsea under Graham Potter, uh, they got a win. Um, uh, they have uh, beaten it. They had to come from behind to get this one at Palace, which has been a difficult place for a lot of teams to go. Uh, but uh, things seem to be settling in quite nicely under Graham Potter. 2-1, it's not spectacular, but he's picking up three points. And obviously, uh, it's been a long time because, uh, you know, because of the... Um international week and then the uh, the monarch's uh, funeral and, and, and passing it's been a long time between games really uh, from him joining and uh, and i think that was his actual first game that he had look he's he's really you know you can see why somebody like chelsea have been after him for the jobs that he's done previously and and probably not just that you know we we'll look at brighton because obviously that's premier league but if you look at the job he did at swansea that was quite brief but really made an impact and obviously where he very first started it which was in Sweden and, and took them playing Europa League football so he certainly now you know has got his opportunity with the big boys so to speak and it will be an interesting you know because it's a different club there, there's expectation now this is the first time there's really been expectation um, and how to manage those uh, you know what you could perceive to be those top top players uh, you know, generally could be slightly different to uh, how he's managed previously, but it'll be interesting to see how he does over over the period of time. But obviously, started in the right vein with a with, with a good victory um, away from home because they haven't been too strong away from home. Uh, certainly, prior to his he started, and I think they lost. Uh, did they lose at Leeds? And yeah. they hadn't in Southampton. They hadn't been great on the road. So maybe it was all about the result rather than the performance there yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you just keep banking those three points and and, and work on things uh, to, to get better as you go. Uh, Newcastle also had a big one, and this one's one that I didn't see coming. They, the Fulham have been very good this season. I think they're still in the top six at the moment. Uh, but they got beaten 4-1 by Newcastle this morning in London, uh, not somewhere that Newcastle have done well traditionally, London. And this was a Newcastle side without Alan Saint-Maximan, the new signing Alexander Isak or Emil Kraft, their, uh, their right back. They... They were missing a few, still no Matt Ritchie or John Joe Shelby either. Uh, yet a 4-1 win on the road at Fulham. That's, that's impressive from uh, Eddie Howe. Yeah, but realistically, I suppose that you'd probably say that they potentially 
quite, didn't quite have the amount of points you possibly expected them from the end of last season moving into this one. But I think once they get everybody fit, they are going to be, uh, you know, a really, really strong group of players. I think Eddie Howe, over the time since he's gone in, has, has, has developed that squad. The, the squad now has got definitely a lot, lot stronger depth to it. And I suppose when everybody's fit, you know, you probably are realistically talking that they could be a potential top eight, you know, top six uh, club, you know, um, the way that they're going and, and, and the way that it's shaping up. But I think that there's certainly going to be a test for, for everybody, top, middle or bottom, uh, you know, and both home and away. Generally, their away form, again, had not quite match their home form they're always going to be at St James's Park a very very hard difficult side to beat but now they appear or Eddie Howe seems as though he's getting it right away from home and uh, as you said that was a little bit of a warning for everyone that uh, they're capable of I think they've always been capable of scoring goals uh, but uh, they're a lot stronger now defensively as well. And speaking of teams that haven't been going particularly well away from home, Everton, your old club, uh, had a win at St. St Mary's against Southampton this morning. And I think, you know, I I rated Frank Lampard as probably one of the favourites at the beginning of the season to get the sack the way everything was going at Everton. But he's he's proved me wrong and uh, he's certainly started to turn Everton around. They're getting results that uh, you wouldn't necessarily expect them to get uh, previously. Yeah, again, I think they've tightened up. They've made a few inclusions, and I think they've made, obviously, a little bit more of a difference. They've been harder to beat, uh, both home and away. They've probably not won as many games as they would have liked, but obviously there's an expectation, I think, when you're going to the likes of Southampton and that, that realistically you, you, you come away at least with something. And I think that's what's possibly been happening over the last four or five games, where they've made it very, very difficult. They're a hard side to sort of get past. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think they're the difference. That, that's the difference potentially, be, you know, being always below or looking over your shoulder to giving yourself a little bit of daylight is going to places like St Mary's there and, and, and getting a result and, and, and pushing yourself three points further uh, past those type of clubs because Southampton without doubt will be in that sort of relegation area so I think they are one of the teams that realistically are going to you know Everton are going to be looking at and going well we need to stay above those and that's what they've gone and done uh, and especially as it's away from home because like you said they haven't been that that clever away from home generally just getting nothing you know not even a, not not so much as a point but uh, obviously now, the last few games, both home and away, they seem just to be a little bit more confident. There's a few bodies now just starting to come back. And uh, maybe now they can start to build a little bit more momentum and start getting some more uh, you know, points on the board. Yeah, points on the board is what it's all about. It was uh, in the late kickoff too. West Ham beat Wolves 2-0. Uh, two teams that desperately uh, needed the win. And good to see uh, Skamaka, the new Italian striker for West Ham, get a start and get a goal in the in the Premier League. And uh, yeah, pretty good goal it was. Yeah, as I said, I think there's, uh, again, I think David Moyes has been uh, softly, softly with him. Um, you know, he's uh, sort of introduced him a little bit more into Europe than he did in the in, into the Premier League. But, you know, I think there's, yeah, again, I think um, over time that will reap its dividends because I think then he'll, uh, you know, not only is he sort of not, 
supposedly been 100% fit, he's still managing to score, you know, some decent goals output uh, in the in the games that he's uh, that he's playing, and I think he'll only get uh, better and stronger. And uh, yeah, you know, I, we'd probably sort of say West Ham as a team. You'd say on paper they've got a group that you'd think would be a little bit higher than they are at the moment. But it's easier said than done, and you've still got to go and get results. And uh, obviously that will give them a little bit more confidence, a nice healthy win there at home. Yes, everybody probably expected it, but you know it doesn't always work out as simple as uh, you know just turning up up, up and playing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, trying to introduce someone, you know, it's been a thing that I think a lot of West Ham fans have said for a while is, that, you know, we didn't need another striker. It can't always be on Antonio, otherwise he just gets knackered or if he's injured, we're, we're a bit toothless. But it's also about being able to put that player into the team and getting him to gel with everyone else. I mean, they won 2-0 this morning, but in eight games in the Premier League season, they've only scored five times. So uh, it's something they're certainly going to have to improve on. Yeah, and it's something that I think, obviously, had been identified, I think, uh, realistically. They knew that in many instances, Antonio was just their real goals output. And I suppose opposition teams sort of got to the point of, well, if we can keep him quiet, you know, you've got 50% chance that West Ham aren't going to go and score a goal. So there wasn't, and this probably still isn't, you know, as many opportunities or, or players that, Come to the fore. Yeah, obviously Jared Bowen, he's he, he's weighed in with his uh, few goals as well. But that's the problem. If you've only got goals from certain areas, you become a little bit more predictable and a little bit less, uh, you know, uh, able to actually take on things, knowing that realistically, if these players don't score, then we're not likely to score this week. Mm, yeah, indeed. All right, Manda. Uh, before we let you go, Brett, we should talk uh, about tomorrow morning, uh, the small murder of the Manchester derby. I can tell you that this is at uh, the Etihad. Uh, Man City are $1.36 favourites. United are paying sevens in the draw fives. Um, what do you make of that market? That uh, seems like there's a lot of value probably in, a, in around that draw, I would have thought. It's probably value, but to be truthful, I think if you look at United have done uh, better, that's what you'd say uh, from that perspective. But still, the benchmark is City and the City at home. And realistically, yes, it's a local derby and form goes out the window. But invariably, over the over the last few years, you know, in bit, <laughs> the best teams won, and, and and that's been City. And I don't really see that quite changing at the moment it's still a lot you know a fair way I think City is still uh, a fair way more consistent and to be truthful they've got now what you would term a, the, the strongest out and out goal scorer that is at the Premier League level as well just to add to their to their group you know and I think uh, he's someone that's very reminiscent for me of a, an Alan Shearer of old he'll score you know <laughs> scrappy goals you know, good goals, any other type of goals that you want. But what it is, is he's got prolific volume. And uh, when you've got sort of, it's almost like a guarantee. It's not a guarantee, but it is. If you look at his background, you're going to say that he's a 25 goals a season man. And I think added into that, uh, to what City already had, I just think that, again, they're the benchmark. They're the most consistent. And I think still, although Manchester United fans won't really accept that, they're still playing catch-up.
Yeah, it feels that way. Uh, I would say this. I mean, if I am a United fan, but I would say this to to to, to other United fans: is you look at what Eric Ten Hag did with Ajax when they played Haaland with Dortmund last season. That he only scored one across two games in the Champions League, and they won both of those games. And Lissandro Martinez was uh, given the task of man marking him. I don't know if that makes any difference. I know that uh, he's probably got a a bit more around him at City than he did at Dortmund. Yeah, obviously, if it's not Ireland, it's De Bruyne. You, you know what I mean? You've got so many that realistically Foden, they can all weigh in with their goals. You know, although Ireland will be the main sort of um, area that people will be looking at, I think there's so many other players that can actually weigh in with goals, which, you know, again, makes it very, very difficult as a team to be able to stop because, you know, you're trying to shut Ireland out and that would be great, but Realistically, De Bruyne will pop up, Foden will pop up, you know, Cadogan will pop up. And and also they've got, um, from set plays as well, they've got, you know, I just think they can score from open players and, and, and from set players consistently, and they don't ignore that either. I, you, know, I, I, you know, it's something that, although it's part and parcel, when games are tight, they can still go and do, you know, score from open play as well as from set plays, which some teams, you know, struggle from open play of breaking teams down. But City are, at the moment, for me, are, are, are good in, in either facet, whichever way you want to uh, play, you know, that they find a way of breaking you down. Yeah, yeah, no, they're a very good side, that's for sure. Hard to defend against because they hurt you so many different ways. Um, Brett, uh, the National League kicked off this weekend. Yesterday we saw Kashmir Tech beat Napier, uh, sorry, beat Miramar Rangers 4-0. Napier City Rovers got a win 1-0 over the Phoenix Reserves. Auckland City beat Wellington Olympic and Wellington 2-1. And Birkenhead have beaten Christchurch United 3-1 today. Still nil all between Auckland United and Melville United. Uh, that game is uh, about half an hour in, uh, to, to, to finish. Uh, what have you made? made of the new National League, the new format, and uh, some of those results? Well, the, the, the format's the format. Obviously, it's now a, a club-based format. Uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I've got a sort of thing. Uh, obviously, if, we, if we're going back and you look at the teams that are being represented, but more importantly, probably the player base that's being represented by those teams, um, a lot of those players, obviously, uh, I've sort of known because of, you know, coaching at Hawks Bay United sort of seven, five, seven years ago. Mm. And that would be my worry at the moment, would be if these players are still the most influential players within the game, as our game really moved as far forward as, uh, you know, domestically as we would have liked. Now, that, that would be my question at the moment around the, the just the, the, the overall uh, value of the of, of the group, but without doubt, it will be exciting uh, because it's a it's a different format, and those players are representing their their, their clubs, which obviously they've uh, you know qualified through. Will we get very many strange results? I think that was a surprise result, Kashmir Tech, by the volume of goals. I think it was so one-sided, being a, a comprehensive victory, four uh, so nil. But then Kashmir Tech. Have, you know, have generally been um, very strong as a, as a club side anyway, you know, uh, throughout the, the time. So, the, the, you know, I, but I think the, the, the scoreline was probably more of a surprise than mm-hmm. them actually beating Miramar. I think it was the emphaticness of the scoreline uh, that, that sent a signal out. 
obviously Auckland uh, City came through uh, as good teams do. They found a way, looked as though it was going to be a draw, and then they found a, a, a winner. You know, with about five minutes to go. So obviously they found that. And if you look there, I, I suppose, and you look what they did in the um, in the in the Northern League, you know, they were very clear of the other three teams that are actually involved in the uh, National League. So you know, that will probably tell you a little bit more about where some of those other clubs are sitting. Uh, you know, moving forward. But I'd probably say it'll take another two or three rounds to really see whether. You know who's who's going to be the whipping boys and who's going to be realistically in uh, in for those top two positions. Mm, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be uh, interesting to see how it all fleshes out this coming season. Brett, thanks very much for coming on today, mate. Uh, go well and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday, eh? No, always a pleasure. Thanks Cheers. for coming. Brett Angel there with us uh, talking Premier League football and our own National League as well. It is 4.24. I can tell you uh, that the Breakers lead. It is just about uh, at the end of the first quarter. The Breakers are up 22-16 to 16 over Melbourne United as uh, we get the buzzer. And that is, in fact, the score at quarter time. Uh, the Breakers 22, Melbourne 16 uh, after the first quarter of the first game of the NBL season for the Breakers. It's nine, uh, sorry, 9.29, it's 4.29 here on SENZ. Uh, Ricardo Ball with you through till 5 o'clock uh, this afternoon. And we are in uh, to the second quarter of the game between the Breakers and Melbourne. And the Breakers uh, continue to lead. They're up 26-22, uh, nine minutes left in that quarter. Nick has called through on 0800 150 811. G'day, Nick, how you doing? Hey, Ricardo, you going all right? How are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Good, you wanted to talk National League football? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, I guess, uh, cliche, long-time listener, first-time caller. The National League thing, I heard about this, I guess it must have been 12 months ago that they were going to change it. And I've been going down to watch the Canterbury side lose consistently or you know, scratch the odd draw most of the last couple of seasons. And it's been disappointing, but it's been something we can turn up to at Inch Park and like enjoy and support. And it's been really cool, but... I guess ultimately my my boyhood club and youth club and whatnot in Christchurch is, I guess, a B club. But Christchurch United and Cash Tech are like they're the enemy to me. So mm. they've got this new structure, and like, I'm not going to go and watch Christchurch United or Cash Tech play, and that really pisses me. Yeah, frankly. yeah. That so, was, so I mean, that was that was the reason I wanted to go. Yeah, no, fair call. I understand what you're saying. So what you're saying is you would rather go back to the days where you had the Canterbury Dragons and everybody in Christchurch who was a football fan could go and support them? 100%. Like, I mean, I don't know what sort of crowds they get in turning out at English Park at the moment for the for the United or the, the Cash Tech games. But they're not, um, you know, there was always a good turnout there on a Sunday afternoon to watch Canterbury. And I don't know, I thought we were heading down the right track with that. And if you've got the best of the bunch for the region, and surely... The only way is up, but for whatever reason, the powers that be have decided to go down another track. And I don't know, money must have a bearing on that. I know there's money in cash check, and there's clearly, obviously, no secret, a shit ton of money in at Christchurch United. So I, mean, I don't know, that's just from a Christchurch perspective, there's obviously all the clubs outside of the region, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, mm. I, don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't capture. Yeah, the, the larger base for each area. It just it really is. 
I feel like it's really short-sighted. It's an interesting one. They, I, I think they've done it. They, they uh, part of the reasoning behind it was to give um, all the clubs an opportunity to to be in the national league, right, and then and the, and get away from the centralisation with the uh, with the franchises. And um, and I understand that was part of the reason for it. But it was interesting. I talked to Chris Millicent, who used to coach Waitak. Um, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, he's at Takapuna now, and he's against it as well, uh, but for a different reason. He's like, you know, you want all our best players playing in our best competition, and that's what you got with the franchises. But with when it's just clubs as it is now, uh, there are guys who are very good players who should be playing National League who won't be because the players around them may mm. not be good enough, you know. So mm. there's that as yeah, well. That probably prob- that's probably going to be an issue in Auckland because they've got such a big catchment. I think in Christchurch, Pretty much everybody's getting picked up by either United or Cash Tech, and maybe to some extent the likes of um, Ferry McBay, and uh, maybe I don't know. There's other teams here that that can that can pick that up, and will probably they'll just become feeder clubs, you know. Yeah. But like the club I've grown up with, and I mean I left and played seniors, but if going back there in my masters type type era, but it's um, we're never going to be at that level, you know, and I, I'm never going to support Cash Tech and I'm never going to turn up to watch Christchurch United play, but I think it's a lose-lose and I don't think, I, I don't know it for a fact, like I've had yarns with guys around the club and that, but I don't know, if you you grow up supporting a club and you play against the club your whole life, you're not just going to turn up and start, start supporting them. It's like me moving to Auckland as a Cantabrian and supporting Auckland in the rugby. It's never going to happen, you know, like it's, you're not never going to see the light, Nick. Is what you're saying? Well, S- supporting Auckland in the right. I get what you mean. I get what you mean, though, because uh, you know I grew up um, out in East Auckland, and uh, we used to have a club. Uh, the, my local club was Howick, so you had Howick yep. Football Club, and they were pretty pretty strong, pretty successful. They had the lo- largest junior club in Australasia at one point. Uh, and down the road was Packeringa Town, and they were the they, that was the you know, sort of the big derby game uh, was was those, was those two meetings, and it was interesting because there was a real um, rivalry there. So they'd play under lights at William Green Domain on a Friday if they had Packering mm-hmm. Town, and you'd get three thousand people there. Like you know, uh, you know, and there was no sta- no grandstands; it was just people standing around or in the club rooms watching. It was uh, it was always good, and it was in the in the league just below the National League, and how it could always be sort of fourth or fifth. And um, and and they you know got a couple of all whites come out of there. Michael Redenton came out of there. Darren McLennan came out of there, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Packeranger would always finish sort of seventh or eighth, kind of around there. So um, they this idea came to merge the two uh, to, into one club, which is now called Fencibles, with the idea uh-huh. that they could go have a good crack at getting into the National League if they merged. Uh, but what ended up happening is because the rivalry was so intense was that half the Howick players went, well, we're not playing for them or with them, and went to Ellerslie, and that's when Ellerslie got strong. And half the Packeranger Town players went, well, we're not playing with them, and they went and um, you know started playing for South Auckland Rangers, who at that point hadn't been much at all, and then they became quite strong as well. And then, you know, Fencibles never did anything, never got anywhere near the National League, and uh, I think are currently playing in about the fourth tier. Yeah, look at that. How cool is that though? Three thousand people at a match. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in Auckland on a on a Saturday, that's what it's all about. Yeah, exactly. But, um, similar thing happened here with New Brighton and Coastal. Ah, sorry, New Brighton and Rangers when they combined it became Coastal, but they've they've gone all right. Like they've, they've the top league, but again they're not they're not ever gonna compete with Cash Tech or 
Christchurch United. But, you know, awesome, man. I think I've made my point, eh? So. Yeah, yeah, no, good stuff, Nick. Well, you know, the other thing you could do is you could go to Christchurch United games just wearing the colours of whoever they play every second week and just support, you know, be like, a, you know, <laughs> I support the All Blacks and anyone playing the Wallabies type thing. You could, you could, you could yeah, take that yeah, approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or, or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big, that's a that's a big commitment. That is a big commitment. That is a big commitment. But yeah. thanks for your call, Nick. Appreciate it. Cheers, man. Cheers. All Go good. well. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is our number. Or double eight double three. You can send us a message. It is twenty four away from five here on SENZ. 19 away from 5 here on SENZ. Ricardo Paul with you through till 5 o'clock. Of course, we've got the grand final coming up, the NRL grand final. We talked to Matt White earlier. He's tipping Reed Marnie to be the first try scorer. Um, you know what Reed Marnie's paying for first try scorer? 36 bucks. That's not bad, is it? It's not a bad return. 36 bucks. Uh, this is based off the fact that Penrith have been slow starters a lot this season. Uh, they were against Souths in the last game as well, uh, so they don't come firing out of the blocks. Uh, so we were talking about that, and he thinks that that's definitely something to look at. So, uh, yeah, he was he was torn between Will Penasini and Reed Marnie, but he went with Reed Marnie 36s. Will Penasini is paying 21s, but keen to hear from you on the grand final. Who have you got? Is it Penrith? Is it too, is it that easy, simple? You can say, yeah, Penrith, you think I've got this wrapped up, or do you give Para a shot? And who... Do you like as a first try scoring option? Let us know. Uh, 0800-150-811, 0800-150-811, or you can text us double eight double three. Give us a prediction for the grand final. I think it's going to be tight. I think it might be a field goal in it. I think uh, something like a 15-14. I don't think there'll be a lot of points scored. I could be wrong, but that's kind of where I'm leaning. I think uh, power of beaten Penrith twice the season in regular season, and then Penrith beat Parra in the first of the playoff, uh, first round of the playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's pretty even. I think uh, these two clubs know each other pretty well. But interested to get your thoughts on the grand final. Who you backing? What's your score? And who's your tip for first try scorer? Let us know. 0800 150 811, 0800 150 811, or double eight double three. It's 13 away from 5 here on SENZ. Ricardo Ball with you through until 5 o'clock. Ben is on the panel. And, uh, mate, you you love your league. You're a big, long-suffering Warriors fan. Uh, you've been suffering not quite as long as I've been suffering as a Parramatta fan. But uh, what's your take uh, tonight on the grand final? What are you thinking? Yeah, look, I think Penrith deserve to go on as, as the favourites. Uh I do. I would prefer the fairy tale story, to be honest, of of the Eels getting up over the line, and especially with quite a few key players departing as well. I think it would just make quite a nice story. But in saying in saying that as well, it would kind of hurt a bit as a Warriors fan if the Eels did win, because you'd think Isaiah Papali'i, and they did have Sean Lane there when he was very raw and very young uh, early in his career. I think he played one, maybe two games for the Warriors. Four or five years ago, yeah, they bought him over from Manly, didn't they? Uh, he came. F- no, I think he came from the Bulldogs. As they did like a trade for Raymond Faitala Mariner. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but he only he only got a couple of appearances, and you, then you see, you know, those two, and those are the second rowers in the grand final. It does hurt, but sums up the Warriors a bit, I guess. Uh, yeah. But I, I think the Eels is the better story if they do get up. You know, Reed Marnie last game, Isaiah Papali last game. Uh, a couple of others on their way out. So, look, of course, we'll be going for the fairy tale finish, but hey, if the if the Panthers get up, you know, just have to cheer on those Kiwi boys. I'm a big James Fisher Harris fan. 
uh, did a segment on the Saturday session a while ago. If I could build an NRL franchise, he'd be one of my first five guys I'd pick. So, yeah, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. It's gonna it's gonna be a very exciting contest, and I think it's gonna be a bit closer than people think. I, I'm not saying it's gonna be low scoring or high scoring, uh, but it's, I think it's gonna be a close encounter. Somebody asked me for a score the other day. I said 15-14. Mitchell Moses drop goal wins it. Oh yeah, fifteen yeah. fourteen, eh? Mm, yeah, just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. It'll, How it'll much is that horribly, paying at the tab? I don't, it'll probably go horribly wrong, but we uh, we're worth a look. Uh, and don't forget, Marata Niyakore, um is leaving, and he's going to be a warrior next season. So you know, you could have a uh, a premiership winner in your ranks. Yeah, and look, you you always want those, but <laughs> you know the Warriors have signed a few of them in the past, and uh, let's just say they haven't always worked out. <laughs> um, Todd Lowry and Dane Nielsen spring to mind immediately, but hey, uh, uh, grand, having finals experience in your team, I think, is valuable. As I say, when you kind of play finals footy, uh, it is a different ball game. So if, if he comes here with a title, you know he might <laughs> might regret leaving. But hey, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, indeed. All right. Well, let us know. What, give us your score predictions. Your first try scorer. Who do you like? Uh, how's this going to play out? Have you got a, a first try scorer option, Ben, that you like? I actually haven't looked at the market, to be honest. So I can't say I do, but um, my bias is going to come out here a little bit. And um, Can I do a Clive Churchill winner? Sure. Do a Clive Churchill winner. Yeah, why not? Oh, let's just go for the fish, eh? Let's go for James Fish Harris. We want to see a Kiwi get it. We really want to see a Kiwi get it. James Fisher Harris is paying 23s. Um, Nathan Cleary's paying threes. It's, but the thing is, though, it's not always necessarily like the star player that mm. does uh, does get it. Like, you know, quite often it always uh, can be someone you don't expect. Uh, could he, could it, it could easily be like a guy like uh, Bailey Simonson? He scores a hat trick and he's gonna he's gonna get it. So, Reed Marnie at thirty fours. I'm a big Reed Marnie fan. You may have picked that up. Yeah, I, I think he, I, I, I I'm I'm in the same camp as you, and you know, I think the Eagles were a bit. Uh, silly letting him go. Very, very silly, in fact. Very, 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 very silly, in fact. Uh, letting him go. You know, if out of all the guys in the Eels, he's definitely, you know, one of those two guys who I'd want if I was picking a franchise and I was allowed anyone. Him and Dylan Brown would be the guys that I'd be, you know, jumping at the chance to get. So he's going to be a huge loss. So who knows? Last game? Yeah, end on a high. Why not? Why not? Why not? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one because we've got, um, I'm trying to remember his name now, it's gone. Uh, he was the Canberra hooker, um, but English guy, but he's done did his knee earlier in the season. Josh Hodgson. Josh Hodgson at about 50 next year is going to be our number one hooker, apparently. That's 50. I think he's closer to 60. Uh, is he? Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a bit worried about that, to be fair, but there you go. Uh, recruitment and retention needs work at the Parramatta Reels, but that's something you could probably say of the uh, Warriors as well, just quietly. Um, I can tell you, <laughs> I can tell you that uh, Melbourne United at the half lead the Breakers forty five forty two, so a tight one uh, in the NBL. Eight away from five, we are with you through all five. So give us a text double eight double three double eight double three and let us know your score predictions for the NRL Grand Final. What do you think it is going to be? And if you've got a first try score option, let us know that as well. Double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Do they have any of the the uh, power plays in action? Yeah, they do. Power plays. Um, power plays are always good. They've also got this new thing called boosted, where they go, "Hey, here's what we think the price should be, but we're actually going to make it more um, juicy." And they, they up it a bit. So, like one of the boosted ones is, and this is quite good actually. 
Brian Tor or Mike Sivo to be the first try scorer, either or, 550. For first try scorer? Yeah, either or, either of the two wingers. Ooh. I, I, if it was me, I'm steering clear of that one. Okay. Isaiah Yo or Dylan Edwards for Clive Churchill, medal winner, either of them, 550. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, so those are a couple of the boosted ones. In terms of the power plays, um, Parramatta to win either half, $1.90. Penrith to lead at the 20th minute is $1.90. I'd, I'd prefer the Parramatta version of that. Uh, Parramatta to lead at the 20th minute is three twenty five. You know, just having talked to Matt White about how Penrith have been slow starters uh, in a lot of the games this season and, and tend to come from behind, that's probably not a bad, bad, bad option. Ben? Here's one I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, Warriors to win the 2023 Grand Final at $46. <laughs> Only $46? Well, it's I've just gone on the market and it says outright winner, Grand Final 2023, and Warriors are at 46 but the Dolphins are at the bottom at 56 So. Wow, yeah, that's uh, the, those clubs that that come in the the new clubs often start really well and have a good first season. I would have had the Dolphins at shorter price than the Warriors, to be honest. And I mean, they've got a coach who's won it before in Wayne Bennett, and he's built franchises before. Well, hopefully, the Warriors will have an assistant coach who's won it twice. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. Um, hey, a couple of texts come through. Hey, Ricardo, if you think the game is going to be close, then you would be silly not to put a dollar on the game going to extra time at nineteens. That's not bad from Cookie. Ooh. Thanks, Cookie, for that. What do you think of that, Ben? You having a piece of that? Oh, I'm, t- I'm quite tempted, actually. Yeah. And Stu has uh, said he's a diehard Eels fan. Come on, the lads. Yeah. Where's well. your yellow and gold? Where's your. Where, where are your. Oz, oh, sorry, blue and gold. Sorry. Blue and gold. My blue yeah. and gold, uh, the jersey's at home, ready for me to put on tonight when I sit down and watch the grand final. So just getting a steam iron or something, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Getting it ready, mate. Getting it ready. Um, but yeah, no, it's going to be a goodie. Where, where are you watching the game, Ben? Just at home. Just at home? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to hit the couch. I'm probably going to be on my own, I'd imagine. I don't think the missus is going to sit up to watch it. My daughter certainly doesn't care. So I'll be, I'll be doing it on my Todd, but that's all right. And I'm tempted, though, because the Manchester Derby's on it too. So the grand final will finish at about, what, midnight, just after midnight. Do I just push on through? You're going to be a very tired man tomorrow. I am. I am. It's all right. You can do the show tomorrow night uh, on Extra Time. Easy. Too easy. There, we've got that sorted. Uh, Thanks for staying with us on SENZ this afternoon. Enjoy uh, the NRL Grand Final. You can catch coverage right here on SENZ right through the evening. It's Ty Power's Big Footy Final Sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy Final Sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.